we just come before you. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and the beautiful day we're having. And we ask that you just guide and lead us as we go through the word and see what you'd have us to see from it. And thank you for your spirit leading and guiding. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 119, starting at verse 25. And as, as we've been doing, I'm not reading the whole psalm before we start because I'd spend most of the time reading the psalm. Psalm 25, uh, 19, 119, verse 25. Deleth, my soul cleaves unto the dust. Quicken me according to your word. I have declared your ways. You have heard me. Teach me your statutes. Make me to understand the way of your precepts, so I will talk of your wondrous works. My soul melts for heaviness. Strengthen you me according to your word. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me the law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto your testimony, O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of your commandments when you have enlarged my heart. So we're going to look at this. This, again, every, every one of these uh, phrases in Hebrew would start with the letter deleth, which brings out the idea of path or tent. It says in verse 25, my soul cleaves unto the dust, quicken me according to your word. My soul, my innermost being, cleaves into the dust, the dirt of this ground, the flesh, who we are made to be. And you know, when we think about this, this is a very true statement. We will always cleave toward the flesh. The first response we have in our reactions to anything is a fleshly reaction. And you know, the one I used to you know, like to say, if somebody smacks you upside the head, you immediately want to defend yourself, whether it's I'm going to get back to this person, or you're the aggressive person who's ready to smack them right back, you're ready to defend. And the first thing that pops up is that I'm going to get back at this person. If somebody attacks you verbally, your very first response is, I'm going to get in there and mix it up with them. I'm going to give it right back to them. I'm going to, I'm going to strike right back at them. And here it says, my soul cleaves, is glued to the dust. He goes, Quicken me according to your word. And quicken means to give life. God's word gives life. The more we're in his word, the more we will be like him because he is life. And the more we become like him, the more we will respond in spiritual activities. And then when we do, when we start walking more and more like him, when we do react in a spiritual in a fleshly way, oh, doesn't your spirit grieve you when you, when you strike out at somebody? You, when you strike out, don't you get grieved? When you snap, you, you yell, you whatever it might be, you act in the flesh, and all of a sudden your spirit just convicts you. Oh, how could I have done this this time? How could I have committed this action? How could I have done this sin? Our soul wants to... to hold and gravitate to the flesh our spirit will gravitate toward the spiritual things there's a war that goes on that paul talks about woe is me i do the things i don't want to do i don't do the things i i want to do you know and he keeps and he goes into a whole chapter of that you know complaining he keeps doing the things he doesn't want to do and we do the same thing and we should be just as heartbroken when we do the wrong things and don't do the right things but this is what this verse is saying. My, my soul cleaves. My soul cleaves to the things of this world. 
Lord, make me alive in my spirit by your word. The more we are in his word, the more we will be changed. And I hope you've noticed this as you read the word, as you study the word. The more you get into his word, the more you change to be like God. Because his word gets in us, it dwells in us. The word is Jesus. Jesus dwells more and more in us and he changes who we are. And we become more like him the more we spend time with his word. We, and I know, that I know that this group has seen that. The more you spend in it, the more you say, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this. I'm not, you know, I'm not supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this. Oh, this is how I'm supposed to rea react to that. Jesus was a walking testimony before his disciples for the four years of, of his ministry, showing them how to live life. Then he gives us a whole book on how to live life. Uh, if, you've, if you haven't heard it, and I'm sure you have, the Bible stands for Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. And it is our basic, it's our instruction manual. It tells us how to live in this world and prepare us for life before the Father. Now, it gives us a basic instruction. It's an instruction manual. Now, for many of us who don't like instruction manuals, we have to learn to like this one. <laughs> Uh, I've learned to like instructions. It makes life a whole lot easier to go through the instructions and figure out how to do something before you mess it up <laughs> rather than after. Uh, still, every once in a while, I'll grab something and try to do it without instructions. But, you know, but this is his word. teaches us how to live. It quickens us. It gives us life. And as we get life in the spirit, he will crucify the flesh and give us more opportunity to walk with him and as you walk with him you'll see over and over how you step back to God and say God how much have you changed this how much have you changed me how much are you changing me and this is that idea he quickens us he makes us alive Jesus said this is eternal life to know the father and him who the father has sent that's life that is what eternal life is all about to know the father and we cannot know the father apart from the Word. And even with the Word, it's hard to understand the Father because He's so much greater than we are, it's still hard to understand who He is. But He says, quicken me, make me alive according to your Word. I have declared my ways. You have heard me. Teach me your statutes. I have declared, I have announced my ways. Now, our ways are not something that we want to do. So He's basically saying, I'm giving, God, I'm telling you what what I'm like. I'm confessing. Teach me your statutes, his ways, his desires, his instructions. Isn't that really our goal in, in, as we walk through this world with him is to say, God, I want to know what you want me to do. What do you want me to do? And you know, it takes time to be able to follow that. You know, we keep talking about our spiritual walk is a long growing period of time and so many people when they become saved they want to have instant knowledge of everything god i want to be a grown-up and i want it to be yesterday teach me everything there is about being spiritual and i want it to be yesterday a week ago a year ago it takes a long time to grow in christ we first have to learn to crawl just like a baby you know, 
I've never met an adult, uh, a parent yet who said, okay, kid, you're three months old. Why aren't you running around the bases on the f baseball field? Now, they're waiting for that kid to turn over and start crawling. When they get to finally run, they go, kid, why don't you go back to crawling and just laying on the floor? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we in our spiritual walk oftentimes want to jump from being a newborn babe, not knowing how to do anything, to running, running and skipping over the mountaintops. And God says, you'll get there, but it's going to take time. Some people are faster than others. It's always amazed me how some people, they get saved, and it's like they've grown to teenagers overnight. One thing I've noticed about them, they're also very impatient with other people who don't grow that same way. And, you know, the slow, steady growth is good because it teaches you to treat, to treat others with kindness when they don't grow. And very important, when we are looking at other Christians and going, well, what's wrong with you? How come you haven't grown? Well, give them, some, give them some time, give them some patience. Now, if they've been walking over God with 30, 40 years and they haven't grown, we might have some issues with uh, why aren't you growing? You know, why, aren't you, why aren't you able to feed yourself? Peter was telling them that you know, his newborn babe desired the sincere milk of the word, and they go on into and work into full, full meals. If you're a Christian and you can't handle a good, solid dinner of good doctrine, and you've been saved for a long time, there's a problem. And the sad thing is, and I've said this before, most Christians in our, in our, in our country especially, they don't even want the milk of the word. They want it watered down to, to practically nothing so that they can handle the their watered down word, you know, before they get that sore tummy from all the milk they get. And, you know, it's something we want to be very careful of is how much of his word do we get follow into. And declare, he says, you declared, you heard, you responded as a witness. Teach me your desires. Make me to understand your precepts so I shall talk of your wondrous works. One thing I want you to note in this section of the scriptures is make, do. It's God doing the work. Over and over, it's God, you come and do this. It says, make me to understand your precepts. Is that really our prayer all the time? God, I want you to teach me. I want you to make me understand. It's a scary thought. It really is a scary prayer. God, I want to understand this. Make me understand. And, huh? Because sometimes you don't want to hear what God is teaching you. Oftentimes it's very scary. God, I want you to teach me. And he goes so much deeper than what we were thinking. We were thinking, God, I want you to just kind of skim the surface and teach me what it is you're trying to teach me. And God is sometimes going to say, okay, let's take you six feet under the water. Now, if you're, if you're a swimmer, there are people like myself who love deep water. The deeper the water, the better. Go down 15, 20, 30 feet, I have fun. Put me in shallow six-inch water where you just pat around or a foot of water where you just pat around. I don't have fun in that water. So for some people, when they say, God, teach me, and they're expecting him just to give them, keep them on the surface, teach me to float, and God's saying, let me teach you how to go under the water. You get in deep. You know, we want to be very careful because God's going to take us deep. He will always take us deeper than we think we're, we're ready to go because he is going to take us beyond what we think. 
what we think and take us to what he wants us to know. Have you ever been there where you wanted to learn something and you, the, every time you learned it, God says, okay, you think you've got it? Let's go to the next level. <laughs> oh, you think you got that one? Let's go to the next level. I love mathematics, so I think of it in terms of mathematics. So you go to school and, you're, and you learn to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, you, know, you think you've done really good, I can count. And then your teacher says, okay, we're gonna teach you to add. I just know how to count, I don't wanna add. And then you learn one plus one is two, two plus two is four. Oh, you've got this addition stuff down pretty good, let's teach you how to multiply. What, yeah, what, huh? Subtract. No, subtract. Well, subtraction is just the opposite of addition, so it's a piece of cake, yeah? <laughs> but you, you can see that each level, every time you learn something in any topic that you're learning, there's another deeper level of understanding. God does this, and this is what he's saying. Teach me to understand your precepts. I want you to take me deeper and deeper. And then what does he says the result is? So shall I talk of your wondrous works. If I don't get to a place where I understand and know God, I won't talk about God. If you're not talking about God, you need to think about how well do you know God. Because if you're meeting, if you have a friend that you have really enjoyed being around, you're going to tell people about your friend. If you have good experiences with something and you've enjoyed it, you're going to talk about what you've done and what you've experienced. Make me understand your precepts so that I will talk of your wondrous ways. The more you get to know God, the more he will want to talk about God. Yeah. And this is something that is very true. We want to know him and we will talk about him the more we know him. We spend time in his word and we spend time talking about him. We spend time learning about him and we want to share you know what I just learned about God? Let me tell you about God. And it comes from his word, but it also comes from the applied experience of our life. How much have you learned by the, what you go through on a daily day basis about God? When you go through the hard times and he carries you through that hard time and upholds you, and you rest in him and you watch victory come from, from just sit, standing in him, when you, God says, do you truly trust me that I know what I'm doing in this situation? You go, God, I, I think I trust you. Help my unbelief and help me trust you. And you watch him do something miraculous in your life. You know, we, we look at some different characters in the, in the Bible or even in, the bi in biographies. We, we look at Eric Little that, that uh, you're getting ready to read and how he takes a stance for God and says, I won't race on the Lord's day. Gives up gold so he can serve God. He gets gold in another category, but he serves God and says, I won't do this. We look at somebody like George Mueller who learns to pray for everything that he needs because God has taken him so far beyond his means that he can't live but by asking God for blessings. We look at Corey Tenboom with her, with her sister in the prison camp pray, praising God for lice and fleas because it keeps the guards out of the, out of the barracks so that they can have a Bible study. Yeah. Would, would she have done that the very first day they walked into that barracks? Probably not. It wasn't on the forefront of their mind to praise God for lice and fleas. It wasn't on his forefront of his mind to pray for every little need that he had or big need that he had later on. 
it wasn't I'm going to get something in, in return for this other area that I let go. But as we grow, as we understand his precepts, he takes us into bigger and bigger steps of obedience. We will never get to the place where we know everything about God. We will never get to the place where we know that God is faithful in everything because he always has a place where he will take us to something that is just so scary that when we look at it, it we're, we get fearful of what we look at. And we go, oh no, can I really do this? Going back to Corey Ten Boom, she was told to love the guards that had abused her in the camp and tell them that she forgave them. And she had, did pretty good except for one. She had a hard time doing one. Louis Zamperini, same thing. He got, to, got saved and he wanted to ask the guards to tell the guards that he had forgiven them. You know, forgiveness is so important in our life and it's a step that takes us beyond the flesh into God's total precepts. And forgiveness is a very hard thing for many people because it is against the flesh to forgive. Because our flesh is saying, you can't forgive them, they might mistreat you again. You can't forgive them, they deserve to have all this bad happen to them. And you know what, just because you forgive them does not mean that they're gonna be consequence free. There's consequences sometimes even though they're forgiven. God allows sowing and reaping in our life. He'll forgive us and say, you're forgiven, but there's a consequence for your actions. And so we see this over and over in it. It says, my soul melts for heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. My soul melts. It leaks away. It drips away. It's like a candle under extreme heat dripping away. You know, have you been there? so much under pressure that your soul is being crushed being crushed out of it and says strengthen you me according to your word so often i get asked well how do you do whatever it might be how do you get to crucified flesh how do you forgive how do you love the answer is right here according to your word his word is true I accept his word, I believe his word, I trust his word. Until you get to that point in your life, you will always struggle with, how do I get a crucified flesh? I let God crucify it. Well, how do I do that? I just let him do it. Just like he says he's going to do it. How do I get victory over sin? I let him be my strength. There hath no temptation overtaken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not tempt you above which you are able to tempt, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape. That escape is Jesus Christ. The test will always take us to our breaking point of our flesh, where we have to make a decision. Do I fail in this test, or do I turn it over to Christ and be victorious? And many of us oftentimes fail and sometimes we turn it over to Christ and we are victorious as we walk with him and we get stronger we get better at turning it over to him Jesus I want you I want you I want you <laughs> will we ever get perfect at it no I shouldn't say no Enoch seems to be as close as you got he got he got uh, raptured from the earth before he died so maybe he got as close to God as you possibly could as a human being and God says, okay, you and I are really close. We're having a good time. Why don't you just come to heaven with me? And took him right out, took him right out of the way. He was only 300 years old. Now, all we got to do is live to be 300. Maybe we can get perfect. 
Uh, of course, all the other guys lived to be eight or 900. They didn't get to be perfect, so maybe, maybe not. But, but we need to get into his works, his word, so that he can give us strength. He builds our strength. We hide in him and he strengthens us. And it's his word that gives us this strength. It's his word that teaches us how to think. It's his word that changes their fleshly thoughts into spiritual thoughts. Oh, and it takes so long to do. <laughs> you know, I've, I've heard people lament, you know, and I've only been walking with God for 46 years, and I've got a long ways yet to go to be following him the way that I should. But, you know, he wants to let us follow him. He wants to change our life. And the more we get into the word, the more we desire that change, the more we're looking to him, the more he's going to change us. And when you get there, when you get to each spot, you get to that plateau level, and he gives you a few little while of rest while you're in that plateau. And then he says, okay, let's take you to the next. We're not, we're not done journeying yet. <laughs> not done journeying yet. And he'll keep taking you up and make you more and more like him. Because you know, we'll never be like him. His thoughts are always higher than our thoughts. His ways are always higher than our ways. He will always be. And just in case you didn't realize it, even when you're in your glorified body, he will still be higher and greater and, and, and bigger and stronger than you. Otherwise, he'll have nothing to teach us for eternity. He'll be spending all of eternity teaching us to be more like him. And that's with our glorified bodies. And that the good news is we won't forget what he teaches us. We won't fail. Every time we get taught, we won't forget it. Have you ever been in a place where you go, I used to know that and now I can't remember it for anything? Now, I've said many times, I've forgotten more about the Bible than a lot of people have known, and there's a lot that I've forgotten. And it kind of bothers me sometimes when I'm sitting there trying, I know this, I know this, and I can't remember it. And I have to go back and study again, and again, and again, and keep reviewing it. It says, remove from me the way of lying, and grant me your law graciously. Remove from me the way of lying. Cause me to turn aside from lying. Deception. How easy is it for us as humans to lie? It is amazing how easy it is. We lie to ourselves all the time. We will tell ourselves we're better than we we really are and we'll puff ourselves up and you know, we were reading about Paul this morning and how you know, he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, I'm a Pharisee, I'm blameless. Now, from his position, he, he knew that those were not true in reality, but, it, but when he was living it, he really thought those were true. I'm better than everybody else. I don't, I don't need anybody else. I don't need anything. I'm, I've got it all, all put together. And we do this stuff all the time to ourselves. You know, we'll, we'll tell ourselves we're better than we are. We're better than other people. When you see somebody who is, is confident and sure of themselves, there's usually, there's usually humility in that person. They're not out there bragging about themselves. You know that that person, they carry themselves with a confidence. They carry themselves. But somebody who's bragging and lifting themselves up and telling, you know, telling everybody how wonderful they are, they're not that, conf- they're not that confident. They're, they're boasting themselves up and they're trying to make sure others will boast them up as well. They want to believe 
They want to believe themselves and they want others to believe them. The confident person usually doesn't really care whether anybody else believes, you know, believes that they're, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread either. They just go out and they do their job. Uh, they're the people that will get promoted in the long run because people look at them and say, that's the kind of person somebody wants. That's the person people are following. That's when you're out in combat and the sergeant says we're going to do this and everybody follows the corporal because they have the confidence in the corporal. The, the guy with the, the third stripe on his shoulder isn't the one they're following. It's a guy with only two stripes on his shoulder that they're following. Or the, the second lieutenant fresh out of school who doesn't know his, his head from his butt, you know, they're following the sergeant into battle, not the lieutenant. Okay, when he gets to be a captain or a major, then they kind of go, okay, this guy has been around long enough to know something. Maybe I can follow him, but it's still usually the sergeant that they're following with great confidence. That's the confident man. That's the one who's not boasting and, and bragging about what they're doing. You know, they just know. They know what they know. They know that they believe it. They know how to answer people, and they just move out in that confidence. They're not sitting there boasting, hey, you gotta, you all gotta, you all gotta follow me because I'm the one, you know, look at this, I've got, I've got the nine stripes on my shoulder and he only has two, you're supposed to be following me. You know, and if you're having to do that, you've got a problem. It's wow. like a pastor in a church who says, everybody's gotta call me pastor and nobody's gonna call me anything but pastor because that's my title. That person is missing a lot of confidence in who they are and what they were called to do. When I came here, he's like, call me what you want. I do prefer the title pastor, but it's, I don't care because I know what God has called me to do. I, I always believe that there's somebody that was better than me, so I never think of any better than me. There always is somebody better than me. Mm -hmm. And I always, I always need improvement on everything. And we all do, and that's what a confident person realizes. Uh, my definition of an expert, I've told you, is somebody who's beginning to understand what they don't know. Because you know, I've met many people who thought they were experts and they thought they knew everything and you ask them a few questions and realize they don't know anything, of, you know, very narrow band of what they know. And an expert starts to begin to say, well, you know, I'm really good at this system, but I'm finding things I don't know about it and I need to go learn some more stuff. And it's always funny to watch computer experts. They usually know one program really well or one thing really well and they don't know much beyond that. And I'm sure it's true about the mechanical world and this stuff. They know one particular engine or motor, but not everything. And, you know, and it is kind of true. The confident person just says, I'm, I'm going to apply what I know. And he says, remove from me the way of lying. How easy is it to lie? You know, we try to break our kids of it, but even as adults, don't we do the same thing? You start, if you're gonna get into trouble, you don't tell the truth, you make up something. Maybe not a great big whopping lie, but you know, uh, who, bro who broke this piece of equipment? I don't know, it worked fine yesterday. Uh, okay, you know, that's not what I'm asking. You know, how did it get broken? What happened to it? Uh, but we tend to do just that, don't we? Even as adults, and not admit what's going on. And he says, take away from me the way of lying, the walk of lying, and grant me your law graciously. God just pile on your instruction, pile it on and give it to me, not grudgingly, but, but show me favor in your law and teach me. I love getting into God's word, even though sometimes it brings great conviction, 
and you go, oh, no, okay, God, help me. I repent of this. Take this away from me. But we see that mirror, and he shows it up in front of us. And we have a, a choice at that time. We either turn away from the mirror and say, get this thing away from me. It's too ugly, which it really is. Or, wow, that's so ugly, God, I need you. You know, forgive me. Grant me the spirit. Grant, grant me your righteousness and your grace. And it's a big, big change for us. How do we react to God's word? I've seen many people in my lifetime who push it away. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. that I'm not going to that church. That pastor keeps saying things that I don't want to hear. He keeps telling me I'm a sinner. So keep me away from that guy. I'm going to go over to this church that doesn't talk about sin. They just talk about being good going straight to hell but all they do is talk about being good and it's an amazing thing that I see over the years in churches how many people are just hopping church to church the moment they hear something they don't like to hear they go up that pastor's meddling in my life I gotta go find another church and they go to another church and the sad thing that I have seen around my time is there's a lot of churches that grow with a lot of people, but they're just Christians transferring from one church. You get 10 new ones here, and you lost 10 in this other one. You lose 10 in this one, and they go to, to another church and, and build it up. We need to be seeing people that are being saved from the street. You know, if you want to get excited about your Christianity, hang around a new Christian. It's an amazing thing to be around new Christians. They just love God. They don't know a whole lot, but they just love God with all their heart. They make lots of mistakes as they're walking around with God. They, they, they will say things that are really silly sometimes, <laughs> but they love God and they're, and they're just wanting to learn. They're, just, they're sponges saying, help me, help me learn. You know, and these are the guys that I want to start seeing filling our church, people that are brand new Christians that are just coming to Christ and saying, I want to learn. I want to, they're exciting. They're, they're really fun to be around. They're, they're, they're the ones that come into church going, you know what I read this like, you know, yesterday? God just showed this to me and it was so wonderful. And sometimes it's very simple. Sometimes it's very basic, but there's still just that excitement. Doesn't that get you excited when somebody gets excited about God? And you kind of forget, remember, you know, I used to be that way. I used to get excited about the simple things. The amazing thing is when they give you some really deep, heavy truth out of the Bible that God revealed to them. And you go, wow, I never even thought about it, about that, that way. But you know it's true. The Spirit just witnesses to you and you go, wow, this is wonderful. Yeah, and it's very important. Our major teacher for Christians is the Holy Spirit. Okay? Never, never, ever think that you can't learn from the Scriptures. I've shared with you, when I was a teenager, there was many times when I went to God and go, God, I have been taught this in one church and this in another church. Which one is true? I need you to tell me because both, are, both can't be true. They're very different. And the Holy Spirit would come in and go, okay, let's show you. Let's show you the truth. And taught me. Many years later, I would learn how to be able to prove it, but the Holy Spirit was always correct in, his, in what he taught me. If you don't understand something, just talk to the Holy Spirit and say, God, I need you to teach me. I don't understand this. I really don't understand this. I think I really should understand this, but I need you to teach me. And man, the things he can teach you will be amazing. And you'll, you'll understand and, and follow it. He says, be gracious. 
says, I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments have I laid before me. I love this. I have chosen. I have selected. I have desired the way of truth, the walk of pa the path of truth. Is that really where our heart is? Do we desire to follow truth? I've met people and even done it myself a couple of times where I go on, I don't want to follow the way of truth. It doesn't look, it doesn't look very good. In Pilgrim's Progress, it was Christian walking down the path and he comes to a fork in the road that doesn't look like there's a straight and a narrow. One, one is pretty straight, but it's rocky and hard. Looks down another one that goes off to the side that's got soft, tender grass that's green and sweet. He knows which one he's supposed to be on. He knows that he's supposed to be on the straight, narrow path, the hard path. And he goes, I'm going down the easy path. And it leads him into one of his many troublesome adventures, <laughs> which is exactly what we do so often, isn't it? God, I know you really want me to take this hard way, but I just don't want to do things that way today. I'm going to go this way. It looks soft. It, it looks like it's going to go around the mount, same mountain. This one's going over the mountain. I think I just want to go around the mountain in this nice, soft grass that turns into a swamp and almost swallows us up. Yeah, we do it all the time. This one's saying, I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments have I laid before me. God, help me to choose the way of truth. The way of life. The way that leads to his ways. You know, so often we go down the road and we're looking at, let's do this the easiest way. And God's saying, don't go that way. It leads to trouble. And how many times have you gotten in trouble going the easy way? Just follow the easy path and end up in trouble. Sometimes big trouble, sometimes little trouble, sometimes nagging troubles. And go, God, why did I go this way? Help me get back, help me get back to the path. And that just teaches us that we have a long way to retrace our steps to go back to the path. Because we have to get back to the path. When we go the wrong way, there's consequences. And I've said this over and over and over and over again. Every time we sin, there's a consequence for that action. There's a consequence for that thought. We might think, well, God, I'm doing nothing. Nobody's getting hurt by this sin. And that's the excuse many people get into pornography. God, nobody's being hurt by this. It's just me watching these pictures. Well, the people who made the pictures got hurt. Your spirit is being hurt. Your attitude is being hurt. There's a lot of hurt going on. You just don't recognize it until it's almost too late. And you get stuck in the pain of where you've gone. And then you have to drag yourself back out of and get back into truth. You know, God, there's no problem doing this. It's just a, a little problem. There's nobody going to be hurt when I do this. And God, there's no, there's no problem with divorce. I just need to be happy. And you get divorced and nobody's happy after a divorce. The kids aren't happy. The two people who got divorced aren't happy. And we, then they get remarried and they get divorced after that one so often because they still haven't found out how to be happy in Christ. Little things, nobody's going to be hurt. And yet, oftentimes, everybody gets hurt. And we want to be very careful of this. He says, your judgments I have laid before my path. God, I want to look at what you say is right. Help me to follow what you say is right. 
You know, how many people will say, you know, well, God, there's no real problem if I just covet. As long as I don't act on this covetousness, there's not a problem. As you're really hating the person who got what you think you wanted. And you're, and you're having problems being happy for them. Because you're so much in envy of what they've got. And I've got to have what they've got. And then you get it and find out it really wasn't all that great anyway. You know, it really wasn't all, it wasn't everything. It didn't make you happy. All it did is make you want something more. You know, and we've all done that. God, I want a new car. This old car, it gets me from point A to point B, but it uh, doesn't have as much power as I want. It doesn't have, doesn't have the good air conditioner. It doesn't have the good radio. I need a better radio. I need a better air conditioner. I need a stronger car that can go over these mountains without having a downshift. Uh, I need this. I need that. I need, a, I need a better couch in my house. I need a bigger TV. This one, has, this one is fine. It gives a great picture, but it doesn't have the extra 150 channels with crystal clear, with crystal clear plasma on it. It, it only gets the channels with LED lights on it. <laughs> no, it's just not good enough. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we laugh about that, but isn't that really what we do so often? What we have is just not good enough. We're happy with it for a time, and then somebody gets something better. Or the advertisers do a really good job and say, we have something better for you. Go, buy this one. You really need it. And I, and I love the, the cooking things, you know. You need this omelet maker because flipping the eggs in the om, uh, pan is so hard. You need this pan that you just close it up and flip it over. Oh, this is the new smart crock pot. Yeah, the new smart crock pot, you know. This one will change temperatures on you halfway through if you forget. And you probably will forget, so get this new smart crock pot because you don't want it to be on high for longer in a certain period of time. Yeah. But you know, we laugh about this, but this is what happens out there. And there are some really dumb commercials that we call all kind of laugh at. But you know, there's also ones that we get caught up in. And we go, you know what? I might really need what they're talking about. You know, I've lived for, for 56 years without it, but I really need what they're talking about. I can't live another day without what I just saw on TV. It is so important, I think I must have it. I haven't needed it for 56 years, but I need it. <laughs> You know, we want to be we want to be careful about that. You know, his, the paths the the paths that God has put before us. Verse uh, thirty one. I have st stuck unto your testimony, O Lord, put me not to shame. This stuck means I have cleaved. I have been glued to your testimonies, O God. Don't let me be ashamed. Don't let me be put aside. You know, the good news for us is if we follow God's rules and his laws, in the long run, we will never be put to shame. We may suffer. We may have people that give us a hard time. We might end up in Fox's Book of Martyrs, the expanded new edition. But we will not be ashamed when we stand before God. The disciples constantly said, thank you, God, that we were worthy of suffering. You have determined that we are worthy. Why? Because they walked in his statutes. They walked in his ways. They cleaved to him. They clove to him. They were glued to him. He said, I am not going to do what's right in my own eyes. Oh, how many times do we get in trouble when we do what's right in our own eyes? <laughs> Every single time. 
every time I say, God, uh, your ideas seem pretty good, but I think that this might be a better way to do it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding and all your ways and acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Every time we lean on our own understanding, we will end up being in shame, being ashamed. And you know what? When we lean to our own understanding, it sure looks good when we're doing it, doesn't it? This is one of the things when I make a decision, I'm going, God, is this really your way of doing it or is it my way? God, help me lean to your understanding, not my understanding. And so critical to do this because it is so easy to have problems prop up when you lean to your own understanding. God, I thought it was a really good idea. It really looked good. God, I really thought that I loved this person so well that even though they weren't a Christian and I got married to them, I really thought I was going to be able to lead them to Christ because they loved me so much. And I know you said don't, don't get married to an un unbeliever, but God, it, was, it just looked so good and, I, and we loved each other so much. I'm just absolutely sure that they will change for me and come to you as you haven't been in church for 20, 20 years because of being unequally yoked. But boy, when you made that decision, it sure looked good. You were sure, absolutely sure, that you were going to be able to change that person. Huh? He was handsome. He was handsome. He was, you know, she was beautiful, and they loved me. I knew they would change just for me because they loved me so much as they turn, turn you away from God. You know, God, you know, I know you tell us to be, tell the truth in all of our transactions, but, you know, if I told the truth, they might not buy this product, so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exaggerate the truth just a little bit, God. Just, just a little bit, and sell lots of them. They're, they're really not bad for them. They're just not as good as I want them to think they are. Just a little bit wet. Just a wee bit of wet. You, know, you might have to drain the swamp a little bit, but it's just a little wet. Uh, you know, but you know, we keep doing this over and over again, and God is saying... Stick to me. If we stay stuck to him with his statutes, his testimony, we will never be put to shame. If we constantly tell the truth the way God defines truth, and we've talked about this in the Deuteronomy class, truth is speaking the whole truth. Not leaving things out, not bending the truth so that, you know, so that it sounds better than it is. You know, doesn't mean that you tell the truth and you hurt people. You're not trying to hurt people with truth. You can tell the truth in love and not hurt somebody. You can say some pretty hard things to people in love and truthfully without hurting them. This is what counselors, good counselors do with people. They tell people the truth. This is what God says. This is what you should be doing. Now, you may not want to hear the truth. And you might even be offended at the truth at first. Seeing it happen when you preach or teach. Yeah, Pastor, you kind of stepped on my toes and I didn't like it and I'm not coming back for a while. Well, I'm sorry, you know, but eventually if they're really wanting to hear the truth, they come back, they get over it. But if you teach the word and you teach it line upon line, precept upon precept, what they're saying is, God, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Exactly. Exactly. But we've all done it. Before we judge people, we have all done just that. God, I didn't want to hear that message and ignore it might be when we were reading the scriptures. And God said, uh, God, I'm skipping that uh, sentence. I'm not interested in that today. <laughs> you know, uh, 
you know, God, uh, that's stepping a little too close, God. I don't know that you, you know, I don't know that I understood that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ignore it today. We've all done it at some point in our life where we just say, God, I'm just not interested in hearing your truth today. It, it may be we're not prayed up, we're not, we have something in our life that's not confessed and God is touching on it and that's usually when we do it. God, I like that sin. I don't want you to be touching it. Get away from there, God. Get that verse out of here. It's touching my sin that I like and calling it sin. So God, we're ignoring this verse today. And God is saying, uh, let's go back to that verse. This is what I want to deal with today. And if you haven't done it, you will do it. And if you haven't done it, you're probably lying and saying that you haven't done it. <laughs> Very few people have never gone through and just said, God, I'm just not interested in learning that right now. Or, God, I'm just choosing to ignore that right now. Very few people have always gone through and always corrected their life the first time they read a verse. I'm dumb. My head just starts going, mm-hmm, and I don't understand what I'm reading, and then I shut the book. That's how I get out of it. Yeah, okay. God, I've just become stupid. <laughs> I, can't, I can't read anymore, God. It's gone. I just realized that is what I do, though. And that's terrible. But that's usually what ends up happening. We just kind of go mind dead after a while and say, oh, God, I'm, I'm choosing. Basically, we're saying, I'm choosing not to pay attention to your word, God, in this situation. I'm sorry, Father. And you know how gracious and merciful God is that he, that he doesn't punish us right that second for what we do? He goes, okay, you were supposed to have known this lesson. Let's put you in the test to see if you pass or fail, which you're going to fail because you didn't pay attention to the verse that I wanted you to pay attention to. And then we fail, fall flat on our face. God, forgive me. Please help me. Well, let's go back to that verse. Are you ready to? Are, are you ready to learn this time? Sometimes I just don't understand it. There's sometimes we don't understand it. And. And I've shared with you, and it's a joke between me and God, when I'm reading the scripture and all of a sudden a a verse jumps off the page that I have never noticed before, and it is applied to my life where I am at this day. And I'll go, God, okay, when did you put this verse in here? It wasn't here the last five times I, you know, 500 times I read this, the last 30 times I read this over the 30 years. Uh, God, when did you put this verse here? But it is literally, there are times when a verse will just jump off our page at us. And you know, it is amazing how God is so patient with us because when we look at the scriptures, how many times God repeated himself? I can almost picture God the Father up there saying, All right, how many times do I have to tell you, children? You know, I, I've given it to you a hundred times in the Bible, and you've read it several times. Have you got it through your heads yet? You know, but yet he's patient with us, and he's, and he's so loving with us. And, there's the, and when the time comes, it'll jump off the page, and he'll say, oh, I guess I better deal with this today, because God has made it jump off the page at me. This is something that's important today. It's like we've said, you know, how many times does somebody have to hear the gospel before they actually hear it? The, the studies say 10 for the average person. They have to hear the gospel 10 times before they'll finally respond to it. And, you know, I don't have any doubt in it. It may be a little bit on the high side, but I really don't have a whole lot of doubt that that's true. Because how many times do I have to hear the truth of God sometimes before I finally 
drills through my head and gets in underneath the conscience and says, pay attention to this. Now, we talked about in uh, the way of the master, he was talking about how the conscience is never fully destroyed. We can sear the conscience. And he, and he drew the picture of putting the meat on the grill and searing both sides of the meat. And if you sear both sides of the meat, the outside is pretty tough. But when you cut through that toughness, it's still raw on the inside if it's seared. You just, you just seared the outsides of the, of the meat and inside is still soft and raw and tender. Our conscience is the same way. God eventually will put the knife to the conscience that is seared, cut through the seared part and get into the soft, tender part. When we look at somebody and we say, this person is so hard, God can never get hold of them. We want to be careful because yes, they may be hard, but underneath that seared conscience, that seared attitude is tenderness. We see it sometimes with these kids we deal with. These kids we're dealing with are becoming very hard toward God in many ways. But every once in a while, you'll see that tender conscience, that tender spot underneath that hard core. God touches people that you would never imagine. I don't remember who it was, but somebody was talking about passing out a track this week to, to a guy with tattoos, looked look scary, handed him the tattoo and the guy just said, hey, this is wonderful, this is neat, you know, and got a smile across his face. <laughs> you, know, you know, we all have people, we all know people who are going, there's just no way, you know, this guy would ever, or girl would ever be touched with the gospel. You know, this, this person is so hard, there's just no way they would be touched with the gospel. Don't ever sell God short. He'll put the person in, the, in, their, in their path that the right timing will be just perfect for them to hear the gospel. That we look at a Christian who is just so hard because they've been bitter over the years of being attacked by, by the church and, and bruised and, and damaged. And then one day God just lets the right message get through their, through their head and through their defenses. And it gets down into the soft conscience side of it. And it's like, oh God, I need to repent. You know. We don't know. We don't know if we're going to be the one that gets inside that conscience or if we're just planting a seed or if we're, or if we're just hitting, it, hitting the brick with a hammer to, break, to cause a crack in it. You know, we don't know where we're at in the process. We just need to be faithful. We don't know where our own heart is because there's areas in our own life where we've got it so ensconed in a, in a seared concrete bunker God, I'm just not letting you in on this area. No way, no how. And the next thing you know, there's a chisel and a jackhammer hitting that, hitting that uh, concrete that we've covered with, and all of a sudden, it breaks. All of a sudden, it goes crash, and it's like, oh, no, and you give it up. Give it up for what God wants you to do. We allow him to work in underneath our conscience. All of us have areas in our life where we've kind of built up defenses and seared it and poured it into concrete or whatever else you want to, whatever term you want to use. We've, been, we've encased it in a bunker and said, God, you're not touching this part of my life. I don't care. I'm putting it, I'm putting it there. And you know, eventually he's going to go and take out that bunker because he's not going to let us have a place where sin reigns in our life. He may not touch it immediately because there's other places it may be more important, but eventually he'll come and he'll start hammering on that bunker. 
and saying, we're going to break this up. We're going to break this area up in your life and, and change it. This last verse in this, in this stanza, I will run the way of your commandments when you shall enlarge my heart. I love this one. God, when you enlarge my heart, you make it large to take in your love and your kindness. I will run to your commandments. God, the more you come into me, the more I'm going to run to you. Have you noticed that in your life? The more you let him take control of your life, the more you run to him. The less you let him take control of your life, the more you're trying to get away from him. God, uh, I have this place in my life, it's pretty dark, and you're going to shine a light on it, and I don't even want to see how ugly it is, so I'm not coming to Bible study tonight. Because I don't want to have a light shown on it. God, I'm not going to come to this service with all these other Christians because uh, you might just touch this area of my life that I don't want touched. When you have sin in your life, the last place you want to be is with God's people. The last place you want to be is in God's word. And think about this. Isn't it true when you start pulling away from God that you stop reading your Bible? You stop going to church. You stop praying. Why do you stop praying? Because you know that you don't, you don't deserve to have God listening to you and you don't want to repent. And you know that you have something hidden in your life and so you're not going to, you don't want to come close to God. You don't want to come close to the light and have it shine on you, revealing your sin and making you have to confess. So you pull away from him. I've seen it so many times over the years in churches where somebody is, has a sin that's dominant in their life and they stop coming to church. And if we're not careful and not reaching out to that person, they may totally leave the church for a period of time because they're running from God. I don't want the light from you, God. Quit chasing me. When I turned away from the church for the two-year period that I turned away from, I didn't go into deep sins and everything, but the last place I wanted to do was be reading his Bible. I didn't pray much. I didn't go to church. The crazy thing was I told everybody else that they needed God and they needed to Bible, read the Bible and go to church. And you know how hard it is to preach when you're a hypocrite? You know, you, what you really need is God and you're sitting there, uh, yeah, God, you be quiet. I know you're trying to tell me the same thing. Yeah. Well, you really need God. You need to turn to Jesus so you can go to heaven. God, be quiet. I, you know, we're talking to this person. Quit talking to me. Sure. When he enlarges our heart, when he enlarges our heart, we will run to him. We will be going closer and closer to him. The prodigal son, when he finally came to his senses, and I love the way it says, and when he came to his senses, he said, I'm ready to eat this pig food. And I'm a good Jew. I'm not even supposed to be with pigs. I'm feeding these pigs, and I want their food. I think I'll go back to my father because his servants aren't hungry. I'll just tell him I want to be a servant. I'm no, I don't deserve to be his son anymore. And so he's looking, this stuff looks really good. The husks, the pods, you know, the stuff that nobody wanted. And he's going, this stuff looks pretty good. I'm so hungry. And I came to his senses and said, I'm going to go back and repent. God is always waiting for us to come to our senses. When we're running from him, he's saying, would you please come to your senses? Don't take too long coming to your senses. It'd be better if we never left home. But, you know, most of us have left home at some point in time from God and gone at least a few blocks away. And... God, and we finally come to our senses and come back to God. We want to be so careful. Allow him to enlarge our hearts. How do we get our hearts enlarged? 
by his testimony, by drawing close to him, getting into his word, drawing close and being glued to him. He enlarges our desire for him. And then when we get a large desire for him, we run to him. We run to him. And I've shared with you, for me, it's not a question of do I go to church? Do I go to a Bible study? Do I study my Bible? It is, God, I just can't wait. Can I do it more? Yeah, God, I, I, I'm really sorry, God. I got to go to work for eight hours. I can't be, I can't be reading your word for eight hours, or more. All right, let's go ahead and close in prayer. We made it through this uh, stanza. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us. We ask that you keep enlarging our hearts, keep us drawing closer and closer to you, so that we will follow you. Lord, we ask that you give us a great time as we follow you over this next week. Give us a wonderful. Uh, holiday as we as we celebrate and bring everybody keep everybody safe and sound during that time in your son's name amen